everyone, Craig Dunkley here and welcome to the Beyond Growth Show. I'm here with the always lovely Claudia Harvey. Hello everybody. Um, Craig, who's our podcast guest today? Today is going to be a very interesting show. Our guest is Tony Wood, Due Diligence Branch Chief at the United States Department of Defense. Tony will be talking about cybersecurity, how vulnerable businesses are to security breaches, and social media intelligence. That is so cool. Like, he is a person I have never spoken to in my entire life. He uh, is like a spy, but maybe he's not. So we'll find out today. But it's just this whole area that is so, so cool. He's a cool guy. He's like, neat. I'm so glad Tony is able to join us today. He actually needed clearance from his commander to come onto the podcast today. But before we start, don't forget to comment, like, and subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channel. And don't forget to please comment and click the bell for any updates to the videos. And before we continue, Claudia always likes to start off with something positive. And the positive here is that we are gaining a better understanding on what depression is and what it could look like, and that more and more people are getting help and seeking help. Yeah, and that, that's, that's really great to hear because, you know, as you said, through 2020, especially now, you know, so many people have suffered from depression that haven't done maybe in the past. Mm -hmm. And it, it's really something that we have to pay attention to. And like you said, talk about and, and help people because there's people possibly suffering from depression that aren't even uh, letting others know right now. So if you, if there are any listeners or watchers out there right now, just if you need help, reach out to people. All right. Because we are all in this together, and um, enough said. Just please feel free to reach out and even to us. Yeah, okay? yeah, absolutely. And I think there's also something else that's positive I want to bring today, and that's that we passed the test as a company for having Tony join us today on the podcast. Excellent. Well, I am really looking forward to having him on. Let's bring on Tony. Hey, Tony, how are you? Fine. How are you doing? I am excellent, excellent. You know, when our producer said that you're going to be coming on as a guest, I said, hey, it's the cool guy coming on. <laughs> yeah, she actually did. <laughs> okay. uh, it's very nice to have you on the show, Tony. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so if you don't mind, I'd love to ask you how you personally got into what you're doing what 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 choices did you make to actually do what you do well um this really all started i joined the, the u.s army uh back in 1995 uh grew up in a small town in vermont uh where you know there's really not a lot of options as far as getting out um i attempted the the whole college thing um and that wasn't i just didn't have my priorities straight i think so I decided that to get my priorities straight, I would have to have somebody force me to do that. Mm -hmm. So I joined the army. Um, <clears throat> and then after, uh, you know, I went through the Defensive Language Institute. I was actually a linguist for the first enlistment. Um, and then I found myself in uh, deep south down in Louisiana, which didn't work with me. Uh, mm -hmm. So I said, well, what's the best thing, the, the fastest and easiest way out of here? So um, I was talking to some friends and they recommended that I go into the counterintelligence field. Wow. Um, so I looked at it and it was kind of a natural fit for me, um, just based on, you know, my growing up, I, I met a lot of the criteria. So I took the testing, went through the schooling and training and everything. So I was certified as a counterintelligence agent um, in about 2000. Um, and then I went on from there into the, you know, out into the army doing 
um, things. I, I uh, spent some time overseas in Afghanistan um, in my that first enlistment or um, I got recruited to work um, at a at an organization within the Department of the Army um, that uh, was I know, it was involved in a lot of sensitive activities and stuff like that. So um, I kind of I got there and I kind of I guess you could say came into my own as far as what I was doing. Uh, right. I was given a lot of freedom to do whatever I needed to do right. and all my overall responsibilities. So then. Um, I got out of the army in 2007. Um, I went to work for the Navy as a civilian, uh, doing the same exact thing um, as a counterintelligence officer for the Navy for about four years, um, traveling around the world doing various things for various people. Um, and then I realized that I was spending a lot of time overseas and not spending a lot of time at home with the family. Right. Um, yeah. so I decided, you know, I missed like the seven Christmases in a row. Wow. Um, so I decided, yeah, it's time for my kids to, you know, have some time with me over for a while. So I left that job. Uh, and then I did various other jobs as a contractor, um, with the Marine Corps, with the army, et cetera, and spent more time overseas. And finally, uh, I came into this job because I found that uh, like due diligence is is similar to counterintelligence um, using a lot of my background. I also uh, spent some time as a private investigator. Um, you know, I, I decided to take a break from government altogether at one point, took two years off. Uh, I, so I was a private investigator for a while. And then in, in the end, all of those different paths led me to where I am right now, um, which is, you know, doing you know, my, using my background as a, as a counterintelligence agent and those methods I use to conduct due diligence. Um, and basically, it all, all kind of fell into place. That is, I, that is so cool, Tony. Very cool. Yeah. yeah we so, thought so, so we understand, uh, Tony, that you're the due diligence branch chief at the United States Department of Defense. So you've moved us along through how you got there. But in that position, what do you actually do? So I, well, I work for an organization within the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense is really as specific as I was able to get. Um, I need gotcha. to, you know, remain very, you know, just, and, you know, and that's the largest organization that we have <laughs> as far as like where I work. So specifically, you know, I work for an organization within Department of Defense. Um, and as you know, it's, it's kind of like a business, you know, when it comes to due diligence, I have the responsibilities basically whenever, um, we want to make sure that before we conduct any type of um, interactions or business with different various organizations or companies um, that we're not going to, that it's a viable option. Um, you know, so if there's a company that we're interested in doing a contract with, et cetera, um, I do the research on that company, make sure that everything is legitimate, make sure it's an actually a valid company. Uh, I do research on the, the leadership of that company, the um, CEO, CFO. So we basically scrape the internet for information about that organization. And, and what are um, you looking for? So we want to avoid, there are a lot of affiliations that we want to avoid um, specifically as a you know government entity. Um, so we just want to make sure that that 
the company that we're dealing with. Or I mean, it also comes down to individuals. If we're gonna um, be doing business with an individual or even our hiring process, we do the same thing for everybody. Uh, so we want to avoid any unwanted affiliations, um, third-party associations that that company might be doing business with that um, we're not really fond of um, from a legal standpoint or or other things. And um, and we look at their you know history of legal issues. You know, is this a company that we want to invest money in and and resources into if they have a history of legal issues and not following through with their part of the uh, of a contract, et cetera. So. Right. Yeah. Um, well, we're very happy that you were given the go-ahead to come on our show. Uh, yeah, we were excited <laughs> about this episode. Yeah, it, it, it took a lot of a lot of talking and a lot of conditions. There were a lot of uh, you know, as long as you don't talk about certain things, and, right? But of course, you know, in the end, I'm the one that would, you know, looking at other people to make sure they don't do that same thing. So, right. I mean, it, it was they, they they trust me with with my judgment. So, very good. Um, wow. Um, so you you do online signature management and exactly what is that and what, how do you use that so online signature management um we use that mostly through our hiring process and who, people who become part of our organization and it's, it's exactly what it sounds like we take you know everybody has an online signature even if you've never been on the internet there's some information out there about you through public records um things other people talk about you um online mm -hmm. so i mean the, the majority of information we actually find on people is public records because some places don't require pay to get that information so uh, what we do is we you know somebody's going to be coming on board with us we scrape the internet we do what's called identity management assessment and we scrape the internet for to find their complete online profile wow. all the information that's out there on them um, and then we sit down and we are specifically looking for, um, just like with a company, we're looking for affiliations that we might, you know, not want openly out there in the public. Um, you know, other issues that the individual might have, they have financial issues. Um, what's, what's their, you know, where do they lean personally as far as, you know, things that we, well, okay, we might want to step back a little bit on that because it's hard to explain. But um, so basically, what we're looking for is: are they going to be a right fit for our organization and, and what they do and what we're going to be doing? So, uh, so we um, like we have kids, and I've told my kids, my 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 kids are teenagers plus, mm -hmm. and I said you got to be really careful what you have out there in terms of what your profile is, especially you know Facebook, um, party pictures, Instagram pictures. And that's just probably a tiny part of what you're looking at, I yeah. imagine. Yeah, we look for, you know, there's the public records which tell people like where you live, um, your children, birth dates and all that type of information. But a lot of the things that affiliations that we don't want are actually presented by the individual or a family member that's not entirely educated on, you know, um, what they should and should not post out there. So, uh, but we're looking for like, I. You know, we have people out there who have done some amazing things out there in the world, but those aren't things that we want to be affiliated with officially out there. Um, so we sit down with them and we educate them on what they should and shouldn't put out there. Uh, we make recommendations on, you know, requesting that certain information out online be taken down. Um, but sometimes there's just stuff out there that's it's so much that we can't, it, you can't mitigate that 
type of information. You know, it, once it's out there, it's out there. You can't scrub um, it. Is that the word? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I guess so. Yeah. So, so we look at it from our organization. There are certain things we're not, they're not allowed to put out there. And if it's out there, we try and, you know, mitigate that as much as possible. But in the end, it's really um, up to the individual. And um, we just want to make sure that they're doing the right thing, keeping themselves and their, and their self safe, themselves safe and us as an organization, so. Right. So, so as you talk about that, you know, very interested. I'm interested in knowing how companies can protect themselves with cybersecurity crimes rising and becoming far more sophisticated. How can companies use cybersecurity and identity management to protect themselves and the company and, the, and their uh, employees? So with, with uh, cybersecurity specifically, we have a cybersecurity team um, that I work with closely. Um, you know, and, and they do the protection from that that end as far as, you know, locking down using VPNs, preventing companies or other organizations. And in our case, it's it's probably other governments um, trying to access our information, et cetera. Uh, so they have an extensive amount of resources and tools that they use to prevent like hacking and that type of stuff. Uh, if we specifically, so if, I mean, if you're a business and a company, obviously you probably want to invest in some, you know, just even the basic software you want, you know, VPNs. Um, there are some um, programs out there people can use to prevent bots, um, bot detection, etc. cetera. Um, you always want to use uh, two-part authentication for accounts on that type of thing. But we look at it, we also kind of implement the, the human factor into that. So the, not, the human factor is also a threat in addition to cyber. So you want to take all that stuff that you want to protect from the cyber side and make sure that the people working for that company also know how to protect that information and are disclosing that through social media posts or, you know, just casual conversations with friends and all that stuff. So educating the people you work, they work for them. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's definitely because, you know, as from my, my counterintelligence background, you know, there's there's so much information that's provided through the human interaction um and in our case of course from the government perspective it's with you know foreigners and other people who just want or curious but now of course we have the terrorist threats and just criminal threats so there are cr criminals out there asking questions of people who are unassuming um huh. it's called elicitation uh they approach them in bars uh, but they're also scanning the internet for social media posts that's how you know apple has all these leaks you know, people out there who just leak information about their new products, um, proprietary information. Um, but for smaller companies, it could be something as simple as, um, you know, if they're they're competing contracts. You know, what is their bid? What is their offer? What are, what are they bringing to the table um, that you don't want other companies, competing companies, to know? You know, um, we, um, as I mentioned too, when we were we're introducing ourselves, we were Canadian. I can I consider us pretty nice. I don't think I think I'm pretty general population. I don't think about things like that. Like I don't think mm -hmm. about cybersecurity and what I'm saying to whoever in the bar and not that I go to the bars a lot, but <laughs> but it's not right now anyway. Yeah, but it's you know it's it's, it's the general person doesn't really think about that kind of stuff. <laughs> the background that you have, do you find that um do you find that you're sorry? And I, I, if we're going off on tangents, you guys edit this if, if it's not tangent going all, anywhere. Tangent all you need to. <laughs> um, do you find that you're 
jaded? You look to that all the time, look at the angles all the time on people. Do you find, how does that affect your job, your life, and um, the things that, that are, you surround yourself with? So it's very much, I mean, you're right, because every time someone is talking to me, um, approaches me for any any um, interaction, even at the grocery store, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, what are they trying, why are they approaching me? Why are they talking to me? What are they, what types of questions are they asking? Because I've done all that stuff. I was on the other end of that, maybe not here, you know, as a private investigator, that was was part of my job. You know, I'd, I'd be looking for someone and I'd just approach them, talk to them, trying to gather as much information about them. Of course, they're not, they don't know that, but um, so looking at it and and from the counterintelligence perspective, your job is to avoid, prevent people from other places doing that to your people that you work with. Right. right. So it's very much, I constantly think I'm looking for that angle, you know, wh why are, why are they talking to me and what questions are they asking or are they, you know, work looking at my ego type thing, you know, are they trying to build up my ego? So I give them whatever. And, yeah. Um, but I've, that's why I kind of fell into the, this job though, is I've always been like that. Even when I was younger, it was one of those things where I just kind of um, was always suspicious about pretty much everything. So, um, Do you, I, but I don't, so would you, would you say, you know, we talk a lot about personality types uh, when we're hiring and what have you, would you say you're a, an analytic Tony? I, I, I guess you could go that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm constantly in my mind thinking, you know, um, whenever I'm speaking, I'm thinking about what I'm saying right. and how could this be used from right. the other side. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even as we're, we're talking right now, I'm, everything right. I'm, I'm saying, I'm throwing through my mind and what different aspects or what different situations could this be brought back. So, you know, so, so your mind is constantly going then, right? Yeah, it's constantly, yeah. you know, on the offensive. Right. Um, I don't bring my work home with me, though. So once I come nice. home through the door, you know, I, I don't believe that my wife has married me just to get information from me. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know, I tell her all the time, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, if she said, you know. <laughs> so, I would just, so you did, you did mention one thing there that I'd like to ask. You mentioned... Uh, two-step authentication. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed recently, uh, even working through my own accounts and, and stuff, that uh, 2FA is coming up far, far more often uh, for authenticating to a point where now I've seen Google has the two-step authenticator, I believe called Google Authenticator. Are, are the ones that we should be using and ones that we shouldn't be using? Can you speak to that? Um. Well, I mean, personally, I use anything that requires my response before any access is given. Um, right. So, I mean, that's really the best you can do is, you know, if it requires you to, so there are some that do after the fact, and, you know, they say, okay, you know, you logged in from a new device. Right. If this was you, you know, go right. ahead and hit yes, but by then it's too late, you know. It's, right. So any, anything that requires your personal interaction, um, an approval prior to any type of access, then that, that would be the way I would go. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, I've kind of taken to the, to the Google authenticator uh, because when I log in, every time I log in, it gives me a new code every 20 seconds, which mm -hmm. to me seems like a fairly secure system. Mm -hmm. Well, some companies, I worked for a, a company a few years back with the Marine Corps that 
you know, they have the, the encrypted fobs, key fobs. So yep. before you can even log in, it sends you that six digit code yep. and it randomly generates every couple minutes. So it has to be like within that 30 second window, you got to put that code in. Um, and that would definitely be beneficial for a company that has, as you know, employees out there that need to access remotely, uh, information remotely. Um, yeah, very interesting. I've only ever seen that uh, from my bank. I used one of those fobs for my banking, and I didn't ever think ever think that that would be something available to companies to use as well. Oh yeah, yeah, it's that makes um, a lot of sense. I'm not sure what you know the cost is for sure. it, but it definitely helped because I traveled around the world, and it was you know wherever I was, I had that encrypted key to right to allow me access at that time. So right, right, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yep. Can I ask a really basic question? Um, so a lot of companies, and I don't know, again, if, if, if there's something you can talk about, Tony, to be honest, but a lot of companies use uh, a shared platform that's like Google, shared platform. Like we, especially remote employees now, because of the COVID situation, we're all very remote, <clears throat> but we have to share documents that we can't sit by by side by side and you know discuss over. So people use a Google platform to do shared documents. Um, is that something that is, Probably not a good idea. Well, um, when you think about it, I mean, once you allow that information out of your positive control, it's really you're not you're not going to know exactly where it goes all the time. Um, it's one of those things where you got to you got to um, kind of determine risk over the gain. You know, is this type is it out there? Yes, it is. Is it probably going to the individual that you wanted to? It probably is, but. Um, it's never guaranteed, and if it's not encrypted, um, a point-to-point -point encryption, then there's no way to, to really tell. Um, I mean, Google, I think they try and pride themselves on their security, um, but you think about it, I mean, Google is free. Yeah. Um, as overall, I mean, a lot of the services they provide, so they're going to make their money somewhere. Um, so they might not be, you know, collecting that specific information you're passing, but they definitely know who's who you're associating with. Um, and I don't know, we, that's why, you know, where I work, I can't bring any devices into work. I can't bring anything like that. So um, nothing we do um, is really out in the open. We don't do that type of stuff. So it's, it's kind of hard to talk from the commercial side, the, you know, right. the civilian side, right. because I don't work that way. So. Right. Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, it's something that a small company especially trying to survive in the COVID times, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's where you go to the, the easiest way to share something or do something. But, you know, again, don't think about the hacking. We don't think about documents that could be shared or seen by people that we don't want to see. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, did there you are some them? ways to like send point to point. And so if it's a, if it's something that you really don't want out there on the internet, you got to do point to point encrypted message trafficking, but um, if it's something that, you know, worst case scenario is somebody out there, you know, gets something that you guys were talking about, or hacks into one of your meetings, et cetera. Um, that's where you just got to just make that decision. And what's the risk versus gain. Right. On that. Right. So, right. This so I think uh, a little bit earlier there, Tony, did you mention using a VPN? Is that what you're referring to? Uh, well, for point to point, I mean, there are some messaging um, software out there as far as, well, passing documents direct point-to-point -point documents. There are um, emails out there that are actually um, more secure than others, I guess you could say, which um, 
you know, you might, you know, some people are using signal now for message traffic, et cetera, which is um, from last I heard it was, you know, as of like two days ago, it was relatively secure, but um, there's no hundred percent guarantee. And it always comes down to like, who's telling you the information, you know, they, of course their marketing is going to come out and say, oh yeah, we're entirely encrypted and there's no way anybody can, you know, break into our stuff. But um so really, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, do your research, find a online email that requires that point to point um, authentication and encryption. Um, you know, some of them require you to send them a key to yep. allow them to access from the other end. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, I've seen a lot more of that now as well. Yeah. So, interesting. so you just got to do your research right. on the one that best fits you. And, and then you got to think, okay, is this worth something that somebody's going to spend their entire day trying to hack into is what the information I have really worth that. And do they want to waste their time? Right. right. You know, right. so it's better to be overly secure and hope that they do waste their time and get, you know, your grocery list. And <laughs> right. you know, so, yeah. so this, this leads me to another question. So how can information posted on the internet be exploited by legitimate companies, competing companies and criminals and mitigating those threats? So we're talking about encryption mm -hmm. and like, like you said, like what is your information that you think is really important out there? If if we were Kentucky Fried Chicken, we would have a secret sauce, or we have yeah. Big Mac, we have a secret sauce. Mm -hmm. But those are huge companies, right? right. With proprietary, massively proprietary information. Mm -hmm. How do you? When do you start thinking that you might have proprietary information that people would want? Well, I mean, when you sit back and look at the information you have, you you just got to think, okay, well, who else might benefit from this type of information? You know, like I said, it could come down to a client list. You know, is there another competing business in town that could potentially, you know, want to know my client list and use that and, and try and like underbid me on certain, you know, certain aspects and, and approaching different people saying, hey, you know what, we provide a better product. We heard you were doing business with this company. Um, it's very much a determining the value of the information that you have there's proprietary information which of course you know everybody wants to protect that um there's pat you know patent and patents sorry um so you really just want to make sure that you know the value of what you have and what the steps you're willing to take for that um and that's what a lot of due diligence also is is looking at it from the outside perspective as to what other people might find of interest to what you what you have so right right so this, is, this has been fantastic information, Tony. And I think, you know, businesses, especially small businesses, they're running so fast that they don't think about this stuff. And they're probably putting themselves obviously at risk, especially listening to yourself today. But I want to shift gears for a second. And we understand that you have a certi certification in social media intelligence. Now, that sounds yeah. pretty cool. But what is it? So that was actually um, it's a, certi a certification from the McAfee Institute. Um, and it's online training that they um, provide that was paid for through my my organization. Um, but basically, it's it's useful for it. It basically outlines how to exploit the information that you find on the internet to serve your purposes, um, and also the purposes of how other people would be exploiting that same information. Um, for example, you have like um, um, like ISIS recruiting you know so you get on there and say okay well how, how are they recruiting you know what are they using the types of things or if you need to conduct an online investigation on someone's activities 
prior to them conducting some type of criminal activity, you can get on and, and exploit the information that they have out there to determine whether or not um, that supports the investigation um, and, and patterns of life, et cetera, determining like um, when people are out there doing things, is it leading up to something bigger based on the type of activity that they have online? Uh, it goes into the dark web, how to be anonymous online if you're using the dark web uh, VPNs. So it's basically a, a, a toolkit on how to use the internet to your advantage um, through whatever means your job entails, you know? Hmm. So that is like spy hmm. stuff, Tony. <laughs> that is, that is like, that is it's, a whole different world than the general population works in like, and believes in or, or, or just exists in, to be honest. Right. It's, I, I would recommend though, for companies, a smaller companies that are looking to protect their information, just educate the people that work for you on the types of things that they need to protect and not put on the internet. So, um, so you have the certification from McAfee, the McAfee Institute that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, do they vet the people that are allowed to take this course and take the certificate? Because you're training people how to go on around on the other side, on the on the for evil side, not for the good side. Right. Oh, I'm I'm sure they do. I mean, I know it took us a little bit. We had to, you know, request the course. Um, I don't know what type of due diligence they do on the back end uh, for that type of training, or if it's something that's open to. Um, I I was able to do it because I work for the government, you know, and I think there's other requirements. Maybe you have to work for a law enforcement um, or some other type of organization. Yeah. But um, I would hope that they're doing you know, something keeping that course not just out there for anybody to use. Yeah, or this, or this whole cycle because they then train somebody to do something evil. You train some, they train you to find them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so again, don't know if you can talk about this, but can you tell us a little bit about what the dark web is? So the dark web, um, basically it's accessed through what's called a Tor browser. And it's an almost entirely anonymous part of the web, which I, I, some people say it's like 95% of the internet is actually on the dark web. Wow. Um, so when the casual user gets on the internet and types Google and stuff, they're, they're very, they're barely scratching the surface of what the internet is and what's out there for the general public. Um, the dark web is, it's, it's a place most people, you really don't want to go. No, it sounds kind of evil. Pretty, yeah, <laughs> like it, 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 there's, there's a lot, it's a lot, basically people um, work under the, you know, the, the anonymity is big, even on the regular internet, you know, people out there saying bad things about each other because, hey, you know, I'm anonymous, but they're not truly anonymous. I mean, right. there are ways finding out who those people are, but um, when you access the, the dark web, it's very much anything goes um, because it is truly as close to anonymous as you can get. Um, I can't say whether or not it's entirely anonymous, but I mean, there have, um, you know, the, it's basically just really a place, unless you have a real need for something. Um, I mean, people sell drugs on there, guns. There's That's where they have the, uh, um, you know, tra human trafficking, all that type of stuff is, is on there. Um, and, then, and so part of your job in the Department of Defense and, and the organizations that you work with or have worked with is to go into that and find find illegal activities? Well, for us specifically, I've used it 
um, mostly if somebody that I'm doing an assessment on, it leads me there. I don't actually go there looking for things. I mean, that's not my job. That's that's for people in other organizations to go on there and, and track those things down. But um, if someone that I'm I'm doing an assessment on, it leads me to that part of the internet. But really, in the end, it's anonymous anyway. So when you know, I could find these things that are referenced, whatever, but in the end, I can't make that positive connection with that individual anyway. Right. So it's it's more of the the certification with that course and the information in there would be more towards people who actually um, want to learn how to be anonymous. And it's just a familiarization with what's in there and the steps people take to be anonymous. Um, but exploiting it any further isn't really something that I do. Right, um, right, right. Well, so. it's, it's, it is fascinating. It is fascinating, Tony, because again, I think the general listener, the general population doesn't really, doesn't know about it. I certainly don't. <laughs> so and if, if you don't, if you don't know about the dark web, then there's no reason to, there, there's yeah. no reason to go there for anything. <laughs> yeah, that's legitimate. Yeah, no. It's, uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like somewhere I want to go. No, <laughs> it's absolutely not. No, you, you can't unsee a lot of things too. So it's like, you know, don't, unless, yeah. you know, no, there's yeah. no reason to ever go there. Yeah. Wow. Well, Tony, can I ask you one more thing? Sure. Again, I don't know if you're allowed to say this, but can you give us a scenario of, of how you perhaps caught someone, found somebody that through your job, through the job functions that you did, that um, stop something from happening, or uh, just give, give us a give us a, a real life scenario if possible. Um, <clears throat> well, I would have to go back then to to when. Um, hmm, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, if you don't <laughs> want to say it, no problem. Yeah, no, problem. no, I mean, I you know, as a private investigator, I use the internet all the time um, to find people, mostly you know, people who you know skipped out on a year's worth of rent. And, and that type of thing. Um, for that, you know, they, they obviously don't want to be found, but um, I would use the social media to, first of all, just given a name, usually within, a, within 24 hours, if I was given a name, and this is covering New England, um, I was able to, you know, be standing face to face with that individual, wow. um, mostly through the internet, because people get on there and they post where they are. You know, they say, you know, I'm, I'm checking in here or you look at pictures on the line, say, OK, well, they seem to go to this coffee shop a lot. And where is that coffee shop? What town is it in what state? So I would go there and, and uh, take a look. And um, so it's it wasn't really one of those things where I prevent something, but it was more of, you know, pe holding people accountable, mm -hmm. you know, finding where they are, where they work, what they do, um, and then allowing the people that they owe to get what they need from them, which is usually money. It, it almost always comes down to money. But so the, the situations that you were talking about as far as preventing something, that's not something I'd be able to, mm -hmm. to really discuss on, on here. So, well, Tony, it has been very fascinating, wonderful having you on the show. Do you want to, do you want to impart any other wisdom for our listeners and our watchers to just about what you do? Um, I would just say, um, like I said before, you know, just educate people on what they're posting online. It's out there forever once it's out there. Um, and, you know, everybody has information that they want to protect. So as a business owner, determine what that is. And then make sure that, you know, it's not just protected through cyber, but it's also protected by the people who work for you. Right. Um, right. 
and you know edu education is is definitely the the way forward with that and keeping that um, keeping that information as as secure as possible. Yeah. So. Well, again, just yep. fascinating having you on, Tony. Thank you so much. And excellent. Well, thank you very much, Tony. It's been awesome having you on. And that now ends our segment for today. So thank you again so much for joining us. This concludes our podcast episode. But before we go, we'd like to leave you with a quote. So we do quote every, every segment. And uh, question, who said this? Don't know. Privacy is dead and social media holds a smoking gun. Any idea who said that? Mm. Nope. Ding, ding, ding. A person named Pete Cashmore. But I think it's incredibly important or very apropos to our discussion today. Very apropos. Um, so everybody, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast channel. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the notification bell. And please remember to comment. What an interesting segment today. And uh, we look forward to having you listeners and watchers on at the next segment. So again, thank you so much, Tony. Really, really appreciate having you on today. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tony. And thank you for everybody who's watching. Thank you.